0: Friday to you all, and welcome to another episode of Frankly Speaking. I am your host, Larry Frank, and we have another full, fun, packed show for you today. A little bit later on, one of the most experienced sports radio hosts in the entire country, Rich Herrera, will be joining us live on Frankly Speaking. As well as Daniel Marcello. He is one of the writers for the Facebook pages for the New York Mets. So we got a couple of different guests for you today. And we're really, really excited about that. Um, I want to start off today with something that I can't let go. Because it's, it's just bothering me. And I know I briefly spoke about this in my other podcasts a little bit while ago, probably about a month ago, and I saw something again today that just, let me put it in simple terms, it pissed me off, and let me tell you what it was, there are so many people out there that are jealous, they're just jealous or they just act in a very negative way towards athletes. No matter where they're from. Whether the athletes from the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, uh, NFL football, soccer. It don't matter. People are jealous of these athletes that are making more money than them. And this, let me let me explain the point I'm trying to get to. I saw on Facebook, I believe it was, a little caption on somebody's page that said, athletes don't seem to be as important as they are now. It's people in the medical field or something to that effect. They were downplaying athletes. Now, I want to explain this very, very firmly that we all need to thank all the doctors, all the nurses, all the paramedics, everybody in the health field right now. You are our savior. You are doing everything to keep us healthy and the appreciation I have for you is just tremendous. And that will never change. My heart goes out to all of you And I can't thank you enough for everything you're doing. Now, getting to my point, I'm going to tell you this right now. Yes, the doctors, nurses, everyone, let's put that aside. We know they're helping out. That goes without saying. But damn it, look out there right now. And who do you see giving? Trying to help out. It's the athletes, the owners of these teams. It's professional sports are giving everything they can to help people during this crisis. And for people to knock them, it's just completely wrong. You saw Robert Kraft yesterday. He takes his jet. He flies it over to China and brings back millions of masks. So that he can help people not just in the medical field. But in everyday life that needs these masks. You see teams uh, all over the place. I can name a few. Uh, The Tampa Bay Lightning. Giving away free meals. Over 2 million free meals. To help people out who are hungry during this time. Bryce Harper. Giving. Zion Williams. Giving. uh. Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, and it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. They're all giving as much money as they can. And we're not talking $100. We're not talking $200, baby. We're talking millions and millions of dollars. These athletes are giving back. They are stepping up. So it's time we start knocking them, and it's time as a country... We all unite together no matter what our beliefs, no matter our thoughts. We got to work together to conquer this virus. And the only way we're going to do that is by sticking together. Instead of knocking the damn athletes, get out there and thank those athletes for giving millions and millions of dollars to help during this COVID-19 crisis. And that's my point there. In other news, you know, we said we were going to talk about some football and we're definitely going to do that. But before we get to that, I first want to congratulate um, Dawn Staley, the women's basketball coach at South Carolina. You know, that, that team this year went 32-1 and one and was ranked number one in the women's AP poll. And she is the first person to win the Naismith Coach of the Year Award after previously winning the Naismith Player of the Year Award. So just a big, big shout out. And, you know, of course, she's very humble. She thanks everybody that, you know, has been associated with helping her through it all. But... Just a great, great accomplishment. And I wanted to make sure here on, frankly speaking, it didn't go unnoticed. When we come back, we're going to hear a little message, as always. Tip of the day from my buddy Dick Vital. we come back, we're going to talk a little New York Jets football. Um, as we had a fan ask, you know, what do you think some of the needs are for the Jets? And we're going to go over the outlook for the New York Jets next season. And we're going to talk about the new backup in Tampa Bay. We'll be right back.
1: So I miss you so much. You've been part of my life from the time I was a diaper dandy. Yes, I'm not a diaper dandy anymore, but you've been vital to me. Vital to me as a fan, as someone who loves games, loves whether it's competition in basketball, baseball, football, tennis, hockey. It doesn't matter. Soccer. I love sports. I love the competition of what sports brings. To watch the intensity, the passion, the pride, the unbelievable emotion that you get out of a competition. Yes, I miss you so much. You've been vital to my life, both as a fan and certainly with my career. I wish so much that you come back, and I can't wait till you come back. Love, Dickie V. This is Larry Frank,
0: your host of Frankly Speaking. There are a lot of small mom-and-pop restaurants out there who, during this COVID-19 period, are suffering dearly. Right now, a lot of these restaurants, they lost their dining rooms during this uh, epidemic. So now they're only open for carry out or delivery. I ask that during this difficult time that we definitely help these restaurants out. If there's anything we can do, it would be to order a carry out or delivery order from one of these restaurants. Remember, you can be the difference between these restaurants staying open, or closing the doors. Let's keep all these restaurants open. Thank you. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking. Um, If you would like us to answer any of your questions, concerns, topics, anything you wanna talk about, we have a lot of different ways you can get in touch with us. The best way is probably leaving a message at the end of this podcast. It gives you that option. And we'll be more than happy to play your question or concern actually on our podcast next time we record, which will be this upcoming Monday. Um, also, you can reach us at franklyspeaking528 at gmail.com. You can go to our Twitter page, at Larry Frankis, that's U.S. at the end. And we have a uh, Facebook page, Frankly Speaking. So lots of different ways, and we really, really encourage you. We want this podcast to be about the fans. This isn't about me talking, me getting interviews with different individuals in the sports field, but we also want to have as much interactive from the fans as possible. And just because you may not agree with what I say doesn't mean I don't want to hear what you have to say. Remember, every conversation has two different people having opinions. Doesn't make me right or you wrong, but I want to look into each person's opinion and try to dissect it and see what we can do on the show. Want to remind you in a little bit Daniel Marcello, uh, the writer of one of the New York Mets Facebook pages, will be joining us to talk a little New York Mets baseball. That's about 15 minutes from now. And then later on, we are going to have one of the most experienced sports show hosts in the country. Rich Herrera will be joining us. Now, I said it before break. We were going to talk some New York Jets football, and that's what we're going to do. I had an individual write into me that wanted to know what my opinion on the New York Jets would be. And now that Tom Brady's obviously gone in New England, you know, people like the uh, Buffalo Bills GM is saying, oh, the Patriots are still the team to beat. Patriots aren't the team to beat anymore. Probably the. Bills are the team to beat in that division now. I think he's just trying to, you know, just keep it level-headed there in Buffalo. But as far as the Jets go, um, they have a lot of work to do. I mean, across the board, the New York Jets right now are not a good football team. You know, if we break down just some of the positions before I get into detail... They need an offensive tackle. They need a cornerback. They need an edge rusher. That interior offensive line definitely needs work. We know they need some receivers there. Um, The running back, you know, we're not so sure right now, and defensive line. So they have a lot of work to do out there. And I'm going to start. Now, they did add Rashad Perryman. But besides him, they only have Crowder right now. You can't count on Quincy Anumwa. He's hurt every year. And I'm going to tell you, I am a big Quincy Anumwa fan when he's healthy. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Perryman adds a little bit of uh, decency decency to that wide receiving step. You know, I got to watch him uh, all year last year as I had season tickets to the Buccaneers. And, you know, Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin went down late in the year. And Perryman really shined. Now, let's take a look at Brashad Perryman had six touchdowns last year for the Jets. Six touchdowns. And, you know, that's with those other two receivers there. He also had 645 yards Receiving okay, remember they had Godwin over a thousand yards. The Buccaneers they had, uh, Evans over a thousand yards, and Perryman still had 645 yards. Now, beginning of the season, I was a little questionable on Brashad Perryman because he dropped a lot of balls that he should have probably caught. But that second half of the season, he really, really came on uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think it was a terrific pickup by Joe Douglas of the New York Jets to land him. I think he will help. We know Crowder will help. They lost Robbie Anderson. They need one more receiver, solid receiver on that team like a uh, Odell Beckham type player and you know there is some question whether the Browns will trade him to the Jets. there has been rumors and it's only rumors uh, but that would be a good fit. Number two is quarterback. I'm not sold on Sam Donald. Sam Donald hasn't shown me enough yet. Yes, the first half uh, of the season last year, he was fighting an illness. He came back the last 10 games, they were five and five. He showed some signs, but he still doesn't look comfortable to me. And that could be because of the lack of receivers, the lack of that offensive line, which that offensive line is going to be much better. Douglas has reshaped, remodeled that offensive line uh, in New York. So that's an area that he has been successful. But defensively, they're losing people left and right. You know, I hope May comes back. Uh, You know, the question's going to be that defense. When Todd Bowles was there, that was an attacking, go-after-the-ball type defense. Um, And now it's slipping away by the wayside. So I think the Jets still need a lot more in the draft before they can even be considered a competitive team. Now, I hope, hey, I hope they do very well next year. Um, There's a lot of excitement in that division because Brady's gone. But I still see them a couple years away before they even get close to competing. Now, down in Tampa Bay, yesterday, if you haven't heard, Blaine Gabbert was signed as the backup, the backup for Tom Brady. Now, I understand, but disagree. Let me explain that. I understand why Bruce Arians did it. Supposedly, he knows the playbook. If you remember, Blaine Gabbert was there last year on the Bucks, but I think he got hurt in like So it's the third game of the season. I can't remember exactly. I think he hurt his arm. And then Ryan Griffin uh, moved into uh, the second, the backup position. And Gabbert obviously didn't play the rest of the year. He knows the playbook, which Bruce Arians believes will be helpful to Tom Brady because he can help educate Tom Brady on the plays and on the system. He also played for Bruce Arians before, so there's a lot there that he feels can be beneficial to Tom Brady. Now, I disagree because Blaine Gabbert has been a bust in the NFL from a draft pick. Number 10 draft pick, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Didn't do anything in Jacksonville. He did start for a couple of years. I know he went over to the Titans as a backup. Never did anything over there. He might have been with the 49ers as well. So, nothing concrete on Blaine Gabbard. My feeling is this. Okay, for those of you in Tampa Bay that think you're automatically winning a championship because Tom Brady is there, you're completely wrong. You still need other pieces. But saying that, I think Brady and Peyton Manning are probably a good comparison when Manning went to Denver. They they, didn't, they knew in Denver, John Elway knew that Peyton Manning was not the Peyton Manning he was with the Indianapolis Colts. But he still had the same football intelligence that he had when he was with the Colts. And that's the same thing with Brady. Bruce Arians has to feel in his heart, Tom Brady is not the same Tom Brady he was 10 years ago. But Tom Brady still has the intelligence and the smarts of a quarterback that is probably better than anyone in the league today. And the key to winning the Super Bowl, like Manning did in Denver, is towards your end of your career, is to play mistake-free football. And that's what they're planning on from Tom Brady. The only issue is they don't have the offensive line that the New England Patriots had. So there's a very, very good chance, and I don't wish this on anyone, that Brady could get hurt or, you know, could be out a couple of downs, could be out a game, this or that. You know, he's 43 years old, doesn't have the best offensive line in football, And your backup is Blaine Gabbard. It's not going to work. You need a better backup than that. Now, some people say, well, who's out there? You know, I don't know who's out there. You know, you have a draft coming up. You have some trades you can do. There are people available. You just have to go out there and get the right quarterback. If you, if Tom Brady goes down, With the New England Patriots, uh, excuse me, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you might as well say the season is over because you don't have another quarterback, quality quarterback that can fill in. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Daniel Marcillo, uh, the New York Mets Facebook page. Uh, And then later in the show, we will have sports show host Rich. Herrera joining us. We'll be back right after this message.
1: Because the Mets are really sucking that ball. Hit those home runs over the wall.
0: Welcome back to Frankly Speaking. I am now joined on the Frankly Speaking hotline by uh, a member of the Facebook page for the New York Mets, uh, Daniel Marcillo. Daniel, how are you doing today? Doing terrific. Just trying to stay safe and uh, with all that's going on, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I was just going to say, how are you and the family doing through all of this? Oh, you know... The easiest part about this is
2: just trying to stay inside, It's uh, just trying to manage it one day at a time, but, you know, we're we're trying to get through it, that's that's all we can
0: do at this point. Absolutely. Now, Daniel, I know you work with the New York Mets Facebook page, Um, that's exactly where you and I got introduced. Uh, How long have you been doing this for, and what made you decide to be involved in this?
2: And it's a branch off from Empire Sports Media where all of our articles are posted Um, And the man in charge of the website, Alex Wilson, he gave me the opportunity to You know start writing for them while I'm still in college at Stony Brook and you know the experience has been great Uh, He allows me to pretty much be as creative as I can with my articles and we have a good group of guys there that write at uh, Empire Sports Media
0: Good, great, terrific. Now, you're a big Mets fan. I grew up a big Mets fan. Probably way before you were born, they were playing in Shea Stadium. What, what What's one of your favorite New York Mets memories since you've been alive? Well, there's a,
2: there's a lot of great things that happened. I think one of my favorite memories, actually, um, was back when they were still playing City Field. there was, I want to say, around 2007, it was just, you know, just another regular season game against uh, Philadelphia Phillies, but it was at the height of when those teams had a big rivalry. You know, it was sort of regrowing back between uh, 07, 06, and 08. And just the experience there is a game where um, it was Wright, Delgado, and Loduca went uh, back to back to back. I forgot what the order was, but it was just one of my favorite, just a memory that sticks out in my head.
0: Now, I got a memory from last year. I'm going to play. I don't know how well you're going to be able to hear it with a connection here, but I'm going to play it, and then I'm going to explain it to you. But this this was my favorite moment of last year. Here it is.
1: Something not as sharp. and sure about the High fly ball the center field. This one is back at the wall. It is gone a new rookie single-season home run king as Pete Alonzo moves past Aaron Judge and stands alone with 53 home runs in his rookie season.
0: Were you able to hear that? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, that's Pete Alonzo, his record-tying home run, and I, God, I watched that over and over. What has the addition or the emergence of Pete Alonzo met, meant for the New York Mets? it came from. If you remember back at the end of
2: 2018, he didn't get the September call-up, so there was already sort of a little friction there. But and coming into that 2019 spring training, it was a sort of revolving door at first base in that period between when Lucas Huda left the Mets and Alonzo's arrival. And he really stabilized that lineup. He gave that right-handed power back to Mets for really looking for what Cespedes injured. And it's really remarkable. You think about it, 53 home runs. Um, The guy really, as long as some, maybe lasted two, three weeks, and he still managed to put out 53 home runs. It was really remarkable for what he was able to do, how ready he was from pretty much day one from when he stepped into the lineup on opening day.
0: So, with Alonzo, you know, second, you hear about it. I don't want to jinx him, but you hear about... uh the sophomore jinx, you know, and you saw Aaron Judge when, you know, whose record he broke after his first year. You know, Judge hasn't been really the same since, yes, I know it has to do with injuries. Do you see this carrying on for Pete Alonzo? Yeah, I think anytime you hit 50 home runs, it's
2: definitely something that's, you know, hard to repeat year in and year out. But I think, you know, Alonzo, he's really – pure hitter. He's got legitimate power. He doesn't have to connect um, just like Judge. He doesn't have to connect perfectly every time to get the ball out. And I think we saw during September and even August as well when he was getting out of his funk, You saw that he was making the adjustments that the pitchers were making to him. He was laying off a lot more tougher pitches that he was swinging over. And the more work, the more experience he gets, I think he's only going to get better as a hitter too. He may not hit 50 home runs again, we
0: may see him at 40 and hit around 280 with an on-base percentage that's near 400. We're with uh, Daniel Marcillo. He uh, runs one of the Facebook pages uh, for the New York Mets. Daniel, Noah Syndergaard. He goes down with Tommy John surgery. Even though and, you know, you can't take away the ability and the meaning of Noah Syndergaard for the New York Mets. But that starting pitching staff, you know, with Waka, Pocillo, DeGrom, Mats, and so on, you know, although Syndergaard's a big miss, they still got a decent starting pitching staff going into this season, don't they? Yeah, I mean, you know,
2: that's sort of the reason why Van Wagen signs that depth. And you know, Center Guard's gonna it's gonna hurt not having him in the rotation. But if you look at the numbers he put up last year and over really the last couple seasons, he's had a ERA around three six seven over the last three seasons. So he hasn't been putting up the numbers he put together his first two years in the big leagues, but you're still missing, you know, the numbers of a quality two or three starter. And I think between Porcello, Walk and Matt, if they can sort of combine for ERA around that area. I think they're going to be in good shape, especially especially with the lineup they have, too. They don't have to worry about you know, scoring um, five, six runs a game because the starting pitching can hold up three or four.
0: And their bullpen, you know, at the end of it anyway with Diaz and Familia, uh, isn't that bad, is it?
2: No, yeah, and, you know, it's hard to think that Diaz and Familia are going to be exactly what they were last year, even if they Pitch average for the Mets. You're looking at a, it's such a better season than they put together uh, in the prior years. They may not be at the forms they were where they were at their best, but if they're settling somewhere in the middle of where their entire major league careers have been. I think it leaves them in a really good spot, especially with the other arms they have in there.
0: Now. Can you know the Atlanta Braves are getting better? They actually won the division last year. Meanwhile, the Nationals won the World Series last year. The Phillies keep getting better. They now got Joe Girardi. So, exception for the Marlins, who still have some work to do. How tough is it going to be for the New York Mets to compete in that division? Uh, they every year it seems
2: like they have their work cut out for him in this for them in this division. And one of the more interesting things is that they really dominated the series against the Nationals last year. And, you know, they were sort of around 500 with the Phillies. The biggest difference between them making the playoffs and not making the playoffs was beating the Braves. And I think really as much as the Nationals, you know, we should have the respect that they aren't for winning the World Series. This division still seems like it's the Braves to lose. Um, they're still the top dog in that division showed last year how beatable they are and the Mets show how beatable every team that division is. They just have to piece it together from April to September. They can't have a bad May and a bad June like they've had over the last couple of seasons.
0: Now before we let you go, Daniel, R- Rojas is named manager after Beltran has to leave because of uh, the uh, cheating scandal. What do you know about this guy and do you think he... You know, has what it takes to be a successful manager for the Mets. Oh, well,
2: the manager is such an interesting role because Rojas has been with the organization for the last, you know, handful of years—at least ten years at this point. But he's familiar with every guy in the dugout, and really, a manager at this point has sort of turned into a position where it's more player management instead of game management. A lot of, a lot of teams now rely on the analytics. You know, the computer, even we've heard in the past, Van Wagner or Wilcon want to make moves from upstairs. Um, But I think Rojas is a good, safe candidate, especially with all the baggage that came along with the whole Beltron and the Astros cheating scandal. But I think he's a very good manager, especially for personnel. And I think that's really what you need at this point. That's pretty much why Girardi went to the Phillies, because the Phillies told him, he's going to get the control that he wants instead of having to take orders from really the analytics or upstairs like Rojas may have to do. But I think they'll be in a good spot. They have a lot of good players. They have a lot of players who have already earned the respect of Rojas. And when you have that, you don't have any sort of turmoil or not not really the same respect or lack of respect that players had for Mickey Cavalier.
0: Daniel, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Maybe, hopefully, this season will get started real soon and maybe while the team's playing, we can get back together and maybe talk during the season about a little more about the New York Mets. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you for having me on. I'll be glad to come back in the future. All right. Stay healthy, my friend.
2: You too. Thank
0: you. All righty. Bye. That was Daniel Marcello of the New York Mets Facebook page. What a great, great conversation. We'll be back right after this message. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking. I want to remind all of you that if you have any questions, concerns, topics, thoughts you would like to talk about, you can reach us right on this podcast There is a link where you can send a voice message and I'll actually play your message on our next podcast and answer your question or talk about your topic. Another great way to reach us is at FranklySpeaking528 at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter account at Larry Frankus. That's U.S. at the end. We have a Facebook page, Frankly Speaking. We are on seven different podcast websites, including Google and Spotify. You can look us up, Frankly Speaking. You'll see the stadium picture. That represents Frankly Speaking. So, so happy to have everybody with us today. In a little bit, we're going to be joined by another terrific guest, one of the most experienced show sports show hosts in the entire country, Rich Herrera, will be joining us. So you don't want to miss that. You know, it, I want to first say that a lot, I know a lot of my media friends, a lot of people that do podcast, hosting radio shows, I'm uh, going through a real tough time now, especially some of the radios, um, and we're not just talking small radio companies, we're talking big companies like I Radio, Intercom, they're laying people off, it's really a tough period, and I personally want to take a moment to let them all know that I'm praying for them, everything's going to work out, it's just a matter of time, Stay positive. All of you are terrific at what you do. So when everything does come back to normalcy, it's not gonna be hard for you guys to get right back in there. But during this time, I'm praying for you. If there's anything you need, you know, you can contact me. Uh if, if you need my phone number, and you just need to talk. Uh just go to Frankly Speaking 528. 528- at gmail.com, especially my friends down in the uh, south in uh, Tampa, Florida, WDAE. They're all a bunch of great people. I love them to death. They're part of the people that have, you know, Jay Recker, Ron Diaz, um, Ian Beckles, Pot Donovan, Aaron, you know, the Morning Crew with Seacrest and Ronnie Lane. I mean... They've all inspired me to do what I'm doing now, and I just wish them and their family the best of luck. You know, before we get to our next guest, you know, it's not going to be long, hopefully it's not going to be long before baseball begins. And I know a lot of people are coming out, a lot of players are coming out that They're saying they don't mind starting the season without fans at the game. And then there's others that do. And I can see both sides of it from the players' perspective. You get a lot more pumped up. You get a lot more adrenaline. There's a lot more excitement when you have the crowd noise there. On the other hand, baseball fans, we just want to see baseball. You know, it's, It's amazing how big these TV ratings will be. I really believe that they can make up, you know, a third of the money that a Major League Baseball team makes is through attendance. And what they're looking at is, I'd rather lose a third of my income than actually 100%, which makes 100% sense. But... Um, I just want baseball back. These, these are the moments that I miss from the Major League Baseball season. I think you all will miss this. I'm going to go back to one of the most memorable things I always would hear when I was watching a baseball game.
1: And we go down to bottom of the seventh. The comes leading three to nothing.
0: much. Rest in peace, Harry Carey. We love you. When we come back, we're going to have on the line, we're going to have Rich Herrera, the former Tampa Bay Ray pre and post game host from 2005 to 2011. We'll be back right after this message. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking. I'm your host, Larry Frank, and I'm very, very honored and very happy to have one of the most experienced sports show hosts in the country joining us right now, Rich Herrera. Rich, how are you? I don't know how much of an honor it is to have
1: someone like me, but I'm kind of happy that I get to come on the program with you today. I'm great. How are you? Greetings from uh, the West Coast.
0: Thank you. I'm doing great. Let me, let me ask you, most importantly, during this COVID-19 period, how, how are you and the family doing?
1: <laughs> you know what? Um, I am going to tell you I'll, give you. I'll give you a little story here. you ready? I, I'm ready. So there's an old saying that I learned uh, from the pod director of the Tampa Bay Rays, gentleman by the name of Mitch Lukovic. Probably um, one of the most brilliant baseball men I've ever met in my life, and he always said and told me this years and years ago. And I try to tell this to everybody. I tell it to my son. I try to live it, especially when things aren't looking great. You either get bitter or you get better. So the story goes: when you send a minor leaguer down, when you send a major leaguer down to the minor leagues, or you demote somebody from from AAA back down to Double A. It's behooved upon the, the manager to sit down with that player and tell them in no uncertain terms. Uh, you, you don't be politically correct. You tell them exactly what, why they're getting set down and what they need to fix in order to come back up. You owe it to them. But then after you do that, it's up to the player to decide whether you're going to get better or you're going to get bitter. And the good ones, take, take, in the, take, it, take to heart what the manager said they work hard on trying to fix those deficiencies, and they get better. The ones who go down and get bitter and complain that they got they got screwed over, um, people didn't like them, the umpires had it out to get them, are soon out of the game. So the question is today, with everything going on, are you going to get better, or are you going to be bitter? And I am working my tail off right now, as I hope everyone else is, to be to get better, and don't let the bitterness overrun you.
0: Now, Rich, you've been an avid sports fan. I know you've been in the sports media now, at least since I remember, 25 years roughly now. Um so I'm older. Yeah, so am I. Because <laughs> I remember you back then. Uh, uh, describe what it's been like the past month being as a fan and also as a sports show host What's it been like the last month with life without sports? Wow, that's a great question. So,
1: I purposely have hobbies away from sports. Um, I actually have, don't don't think ill of me, but I actually have friends that aren't sports fans (laughs) because I can sit and talk to them about things and it doesn't always revolve around work. So, I did a podcast years ago. And in the podcast, uh, I interviewed other podcasters. They interviewed about fifty broadcasters. The one thing they all had in common, just about, was they're all history buffs. They all love to read. So, um, hobby wise, for me, without sports, I miss baseball. Man, do I miss baseball! Uh, I miss the end, this point of the season where the NBA gets really, really excited. Uh, I miss college baseball. I miss sports so bad. But I, I have something in my life to kind of fill that help me get through it by I'm reading, I'm listening to books on tape, I listen to podcasts, so I'm trying to keep myself busy to not dwell on it, but I'll tell you what, in San Diego, the station uh, here, did a simulated game of MLB The Show on Sony PlayStation, and we played it back on our Facebook page, and I sat there watching a virtual game with virtual players being played by the algorithm of a computer. In a play at a PlayStation game, and I was riveted. I was sitting there on the edge of my seat, pumping my fist over virtual <laughs> characters. I was so excited for that game. Uh, I think that there's there there are a bunch of people like me that are trying to keep their mind off of things, whether it's YouTube or you know not watching the news twenty four hours twenty four hours a day, which you can get sucked into. But there's there's so much more that I'm trying to live right now and experience. That, Oh, brother, I can't wait till I get back to the ballpark and, and eat a hot dog and sit underneath that blue sky with those pillowy clouds to see that perfect green and the manicured clay. It's going to be heaven. Um, as far as working with those sports, um, this is like, Larry, this is like the day after the Super Bowl. Sports Talk Radio is fun um, for 10 months out of the year. Uh, you know, baseball season is fun. Football is amazing. But then once you get past the Super Bowl and the national championship of college football is over, there's a lull. There's about a three week lull before March Madness begins, before spring training gets going. The NBA is still not playing defense, and uh, the NHL is playing, but it's, it's not as. It's, it's there's no sense of urgency. There's no drama in it. They're just kind of going through their 82 game season. And that's fine because you have to have a long season in order to figure out. Really is the best team in the NHL and the NBA. But there's not that sense of drama and urgency at that point in the season. Um, and that's where sports talk show hosts really earn their money. Anybody could talk Super Bowl week, anybody could talk about the national championship, uh, the World Series, anybody could talk about the All Star game. Is when you earn your money and you see how really good you are, is when you can, when you can make something happen and create content in a little three week uh, lull after the Super Bowl. And that's what this is like right now with sports. That they're, you know, thank goodness the NFL let us have free agency to take our mind off of things. But right now you've got a really deep dig. You got you gotta dig down deep, and you gotta be creative, and you gotta think, and you gotta grind. And these are the hardest shows that you have to do. So what I've been doing, and I've been filling in on CBS Sports Radio. I've been, I've been approaching it two ways. The first approach is, I'm thinking about myself, my family, my friends and everybody around the country, we're getting beat up with all this bad news. We're getting just inundated. People are losing their jobs left and right. People are scared, Larry. So it's my job uh, as a talk show host to give them a diversion, but still be respectful of everything that's going on with people getting sick, losing their lives, losing their jobs, and and the country being scared. So I've been telling everybody the approach I've had is, listen, I know what's going on, don't think that it's not on my mind and I'm not thinking about it, but my job right now is to give you a little bit of distraction. And the thing that's resonated the most is I, I've told everybody I'm giving you permission to have that distraction. Don't think that you're sticking your head in the sand. Don't feel guilty about taking a breather. Don't be. Don't feel guilty that you're not sitting there watching CNN and MSNBC.
0: Absolutely. Now, I'm going to go back a little bit in time. Um, 2005-2011. Actually, both of us at that time lived in the Tampa Bay area. You were the pre- and post-game show host of the Tampa Rays, Tampa Bay Rays. Three years later, 2008, after you began, the Rays make it to the World Series. Is that one of the most memorable times in your show host history and just explain what it was like
1: to be around that. So my, my my late father used to tell me, Larry, that um I've never had a real job in my life because I got paid to go to ballparks and eat hot. Dog. Um and and I've always remembered that. Like you know, my dad was a cop. Uh, he worked. I, I just got to stand there and observe. I've seen some pretty cool stuff. Super Bowls, um, I've met a lot of famous people. I mean, there one time I was standing in Times Square, and uh, it was during the World Series, and I was doing shows in, in Times Square at the old, uh, if you remember, uh, the All-Star Cafe, which was a sports-themed restaurant. I just want to walk outside and see, what's it like to see in Times Square and look up at the big at the big screen and watch the World Series. So I'm standing there, and a gentleman walks up next to me and he goes, what's the score? And I'm like, I come the score. And I look over and I'm like, I know that voice. It was Walter Cronkite. <laughs> so Walter Cronkite is standing next to me. He had been at a play, but he came out during an admission. And he was trying to catch up with the game, so I stood there and had like a five-minute conversation with Walter Cronkite um, in New York, watching the World Series at Times Square. And that's something very, very unique, and it's something that I, I'll, tell, I'll tell people that wow, that's pretty cool. But. The whole World Series, worst to first, you have to put it in the context that when I got Tampa Bay, it was the worst, I mean, the worst organization in all sports. Nobody respected them. My gosh, they used to get made up, made fun of by the Simpsons. They had Letterman because his sister worked for the St. Petersburg Times would, would, would take cracks. I mean, they were really the doormat of professional sports. And Vince DiMoli uh, tried as best he could, but they just little we laughing stock. I don't think this was the laughing stock. The people that worked there worked hard, but they just didn't have much success. So when I got there, uh, and I was so excited, I put on a Devil Ray cap, and I'd wear it around, and you know, I had all this green on, and it, there were no fans. Like, I went to go get a haircut when I first got to town. I told the woman that I worked for the, the Tampa Bay Devil Ray, so I was so proud, so proud, Larry, that I was working there. And she goes, oh yeah, I never go to the games. I don't like driving over to Tampa. And for those of you listening outside the bay area there's two cities there's tampa and there's st pete and we were in st petersburg where the city the city that the ray stadium was and she said no no they play over in tampa on the other side of the bridge and i don't like driving over that bridge i go "Ma'am, they play like 10 minutes from here she didn't even know that the stadium was 10 minutes away from when i was getting a haircut that's how little interest there was in the team i tell people it was like if you went to a small liberal arts college in the northeast and you walk around Florida and everybody's got bigger stuff, normal stuff, cane stuff on, USF, UCF. Uh, you might see someone across a crowded room and they have that same color sweatshirt that you did in your school. And you're like, oh, my gosh, finally somebody's going to be here for my, you know, what's the matter with you up in upstate New York? And you run over to that person. It happens just to be a T-shirt of that color. You, you were so desperate to find somebody else that followed that team because you felt like you were all alone on an island. So when you take that chess position in the green and getting beat up and losing 100 games a year and um, in the, in the, in just the, the grind of that to go all the way from worst to first to that World Series and you had to get past New York, you know to get past Boston. People start kind of coming around and they start getting excited. And by July, you know, there's something pretty special going on here. And then they hit a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a low and fell back down. And go, oh, here we go, Yankees and Red Sox. They go and they fought through that and had that strong kick to get all the way to the World Series. It, it was one of the most amazing things. Um, if you ever watch anybody talk about the Miracle on Ice, the, the players in Lake Placid didn't know that America had all jumped on that bandwagon um, because they were stuck up in there, uh, up in Lake Placid, and didn't know that everybody around the country was following their every move i remember that story so i made sure i tried to step back as much as i could and see and have a mind's eye view of what was going on so i really got it. a friend of mine told me before the World series richie you're going to get beat up with ticket request uh long hours travel parties everything in the world and if you don't sit there and you take a moment to, to let it all set in it'll still go by you and you might not ever be back again so i sat down there for about ten minutes by myself, I blocked out ten minutes, and I just sat there uh, in the stands behind home plate and just took in the whole view, just so I sat, I had to sit there and digest it and process what we were going through, so I could appreciate the moment even more. But there's something, Larry, that you cannot replicate. I have all the memories. Like one of my greatest memories was, we came back after we came back after uh, a game. And it seemed like the whole town showed up to greet us. And we got off the plane, and there's people everywhere. And my young son, he was, I think he was seven at the time, um, was standing there with my wife. And, and, he, and, he, and he kind of reached up over the barricade where we were walking through, keeping the, keeping the, uh, the fans on each side. And the players were high five, everybody's high five. And, and Rigney, who's now 19 years old, he jumped in my arms and just held on for dear life and wouldn't let go. And I, remember, and I have pictures of me and him walking through the crowd. Um, he's got a Herrera jersey on, uh, jersey on. I'm holding it, and he's holding on to me around my neck. And it's one of the greatest feelings I've ever had. So I, got, I, I remembered all of that. I, I have those memories. The one thing I can't replicate or I don't have a way of replicating and reliving is the smell that you get inside the locker room where you can taste the champagne without drinking it. Is they're shooting the bubbles in the air and they're spraying champagne all over each other, and it's a closed room and all that carbonation goes into the air, you can taste champagne through your nostrils. It's an experience that not many people have, not many people ever get to have, and it's something that you have so little in your lifetime. That taste of champagne through your nostrils, the smell of champagne, is something that I'll never forget, but I don't think I'll ever be able to experience again.
0: We got a couple more minutes here. We're talking live to Rich Herrera, uh, the sports radio show host. Um, Rich, I got to ask you this because I remember now watching Rays games. And Rich Herrera wasn't just a pregame and post postgame uh, radio show host. I remember times, and correct me if I'm wrong, that... You actually did some TV, I don't remember if it was, play-by-play or commentating, filling in for whoever was doing the games then. Um, so my question to you is, you've done a lot. You've done radio show hosting, you've done your own show podcasting, you've Serious FM, and you've done play-by-play. Uh, we got about two minutes left here, and two minutes... Um, which one do you prefer doing the best?
1: Okay, so I want to make sure I'm not taking uh, um, I'm not taking a stolen valor. I never got to do the play-by-play for the Rays. I did uh, down at Durham with the Bulls uh, on television, and when I was on TV, it was normally uh, the, the TV crew goofing on me, uh, but it was still fun whenever they would show me on TV. Of all the things I've done and I think I've had the most, uh, the thing I enjoyed the most was play-by-play, obviously, because it's, it's, it's very glamorous. Uh, the thing I, But the thing that I loved the most was being able to connect the fans, Larry. I tell people I've been invited to more funerals, more weddings, birthday parties for people I've never met before in my life. Uh, but listen on the radio, and we became friends in a one-way conversation with me talking to them. But they felt we, we had such a connection that they would invite me to milestones. And I've, I've been to funerals uh, for people that I've never met. Um, so the greatest moment, the thing that I, I loved the most was, I'll tell you this quick story. There was a gentleman that was in a retirement home in a wheelchair, and his son would bring him to Tropicana Field every night. And they would stop by the Blue the house and watch me do the pregame show. And the, the father would sit down, and the son would sit down. And they'd just stand there and watch And uh, every day, every game. And, I, they, and we got to know each other kind of, and i walk over and talk to them uh, during breaks, and I'd wave at them. And they'd wave at me on their way in, or they'd wave at me on their way back, and it got to be a routine. So the next year, um, the I'm, I'm looking for them, and I don't see them. I don't see them. I'm like, hmm, I wonder, oh, I guess they're not coming to this game. Maybe they'll have to pick a all the way. i tomorrow. I just remember them because it became such a routine for us. And the sun came by. I think you all choked up you this. The sun came by, and he... He told me, I said, hey, Hash, where's your dad? He said, Rich, I got bad news. I said, my dad passed away uh, over the winter. I'm like, wow. Now I'm tearing up when I tell you this story. He said, uh, my dad passed away. I said, wow, so sorry to hear that. He's such a, such a nice man. He goes, yep. And he said, he made me promise that I would come see you on the opening day. Um, that was one of his last wishes. So when you're able to have that kind of relationship with people, And it makes you cherish
0: what you do and appreciate it. Uh, Rich, uh, I I didn't mean to get all
1: smoky on you right there, but you asked me that question and we were talking about the (laughs) prophet. It pops in my mind. I think about that gentleman a lot.
0: And I remember you at the the brew house. I do remember those days right inside this stadium. Um, Listen, I want to really from the bottom of my heart, thank you for joining us today I know one of the reasons I'm currently doing what I'm doing is because the inspiration you know you've given me when I've listened to you. So I really wanna take the time to thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hey, I'm honored that you thought of me, you remembered me and you invited me to come on and and you've got my number now. You just hit me up, let me know this again and I promise I won't
0: break down crying when I'm telling you a story about the trauma. Not a problem. Stay safe, my friend. All right. Take care. Bye. That was Rich Herrera, the probably the most well-known sports show host uh, in the country. Uh, joining us today. Want to remind you all, we will be back Monday. We had such a great show today. I hope you enjoy it. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday.